episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nathan. What's good, Nathan? What is up, man? We uh, didn't want to record last week because we had to see how this in-season tournament finished. And of course, like it was scripted from day one, LeBron James took home the first ever in-season tournament MVP after the Lakers won the first ever in-season tournament title. So... That was pretty much exactly how the NBA had hoped it would happen, at least in terms of like the final stake. He took it seriously from the beginning. I think everyone took it seriously, but LeBron was like, this is definitely going to be part of the GOAT debate later, and I need to capture it before you know injury or retirement comes first. So you know, if you told me at the beginning that the Lakers won this thing, I would be 0% surprised. If you told me they're playing the Pacers in the finals, yeah, that one would shock me a little, but fun overall year one experiment. I'll get to the in-season tournament. I want to come back to what you said about not recording last week. A week ago today, you were sitting courtside schmoozing with the big wigs at this Bulls game, uh, standing right behind Caruso's ass as he's inbounding the ball. So <laughs> let's uh, let's not bury the lead here. I want to know what that was like. Um, entertaining game, Bulls-Hornets it was, right? Yeah, honestly, I forgot about it. There's so many sick experiences that have happened in my life since then, <laughs> so it's honestly... No, it was amazing. Obviously, the matchup is not what you love to see, but at that vantage point, it really doesn't matter. So, got these seats. Your feet are on the hardwood, like literally walking up and down like you're kind of on the court, effectively. Um Inbounds, specifically where those seats are, the reason why I had so many shots of Caruso's ass and Gordon Hayward's ass is like, that's where they inbounds on the side out of bounds play. So it's like one foot away. Like I'm not even joking. Like you're, you're directly in behind them. Um, they're huge, right? Like even a guy like Patrick Williams, who, who, you know, he's pretty ripped, like he's six, nine, but you see him up close and you're just like, holy shit, this guy is like enormous. Um, and, uh, you know, the game, the speed, kind of everything, like you obviously hear all the chatter, like Steve Clifford absolutely tore into Nick Richards, the backup center who was in place of Mark Williams, just lit him up because he <laughs> missed uh, a pick and roll assignment um, on defense. And then on offense, he like didn't crash or didn't set like wait to set the screen. He absolutely lit into him, which you can hear all of that. You can obviously hear all the chirping with the refs and everything else like that, like all the ball screens, like these guys obviously talk all game. I mean, it was incredible like it's i'll say this much it is a different sport when you're watching it at that uh you know distance and the level of athlete that it takes to be a great nba player is i don't know that any sport really has that especially has the ability to witness it at that angle yeah i remember the closest i've ever sat was with you when we were second row uh, yeah for that that's Bulls right wizards game yeah. um long time ago that's- that's right. But I remember the crazy thing was the the distance, like the separation you get when you watch it up close, there's no separation. None. Like the defenses are up in your face. It becomes yep. more impressive how these guys hit some of these shots. Totally. Because um, it just looks like there's no space when you see it up close. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. And honestly, like I remember that game we went to. We were like, dude, this guy is like in our way. We can't see anything. And it was uh, Mike Dunleavy standing in the corner <laughs> shooting. He was in the corner pocket. So it was kind of like they're really, really like uh, – and then like the shooting talent and obviously just like the athleticism on rebounds and 
Zach Levine didn't play in this game, but you know, if he was there, we could have gotten some. And Lamelo was unfortunately out too. So you had the Bulls and Hornets, with like <laughs> basically the two most exciting players who weren't playing, but um, had a blast. Obviously, you know, you got the lounge in the back, you have open bar and food, and the whole buffet spread. So we were living large for sure. Who impressed you the most? And when I say impress you, and I want to hear the most, who impressed you the most, and who did you kind of have a worse impression coming out of that game? And from the vantage point of when you watch on courtside, you notice something's more like maybe it's a leadership thing. Yeah. Maybe it's bad body language. Like I want to know some of those things that you picked up on. So Caruso definitely impressed me the most. He is beloved by everybody. His grind is unmatched. The level in which he sticks to his, uh, you know, the player he's guarding. That's why he's maybe one of the two or three best perimeter defenders in the league right now. He's huge also. Like he's a legit six, 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 seven. Like, strong, big body. I mean, he kind of looks a little funny because he's bald, got the headband thing going on and that old deal. But, like, he's a beast. Um, Does not give up much, you know, physically. I would say him and then DeRozan. He's so smooth with it. His ability to hit contested jumpers is a thing of beauty. I know he's a throwback player, not efficient, all this stuff that they've thrown his way. There's nothing like him kind of giving you that little hezzy Gives you the little spin move and just elevates. Um, and everybody's like, Debo, let's go, like take over. Like all the guys love him, right? I think he's he's seen as like the leader on the court. I thought that um on the Hornets side, I was really interested in watching uh Brandon Miller play, right? Number two overall pick. He's thought to be like the next Paul George. You could see it in his game. Like he's got the smoothness, he's got the handle that's coming along, it's not great. And he's got uh, that athleticism. His shot was really off uh, in that particular game. But I thought he was getting good looks. And he was just missing. And so he's a guy that I'm looking at. Like, you remember everybody crushed him. Like, how the fuck could you take uh, Brandon Miller over Scoot Henry? I mean, I did it myself and all this stuff. And so I just thought that was somebody who, even though he didn't play well, um, is going to be a guy in this league, I think, for a long time. I really wish I could have seen LaMelo because – Lamelo's stats are so different than what I watch when I see him on TV, where it looks like lackadaisical. It almost looks like he's playing pickup, and then he'll end up with like 28, 9, and 7 and a 12-point loss. So I never know what to make of him. Um, but, you know, Miles Bridges was kind of, you know, I probably predisposed to not like him at this point, but <laughs> he was a guy that I wasn't like, people were like, whatever. I mean, I thought people were going to boo, but that, you know, I think everybody's either just forgotten about it or he's not a big enough name to generate boos. Um, yeah, I mean, Kobe White, he's coming along. I don't know if you've been watching, but a lot of the non-Levine games, they've played well, and a big part is Kobe White's shot-making, and he seems to be kind of an emerging leader. So yeah. um, it's fun, man. Like, it's just a different like it's just a different experience than anything really in sports probably. Um, even like in hockey when you're sitting on the glass, there's a barrier. But here there's really no barrier. You're right there. Um, guys could fall on you. Uh, but, but in this case that thankfully they didn't, uh, make me spill beer all over myself. You're probably wishing for a DeRozan. Yeah, I was, I was desperately life. trying to, I was like <laughs> trying to grab people into me. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Yeah. I just wanted to hear about that. Cause it looked like a cool experience and, uh, I don't know. It might be a regular thing for you these days, you know, but... <clears throat> dude, if you ask me to go to a game and my feet aren't <laughs> on the floor, like fuck off. That, see, that's the problem. How do you go back to a game now? Like you can't. You really can't. Yeah. 
I did it once. So I did do it once before. Uh, it was a preseason game. Not that that even matters. This was effectively preseason rosters tonight or that <laughs> night. And it's still sick, but it was the Nuggets and Jokic sat. That was the one bummer. Yeah. I was like, oh, I might have a Because, you know, we've talked about this. Like, NBA preseason is, yep. like, actually kind of legit. Like, these guys play, like, 25 minutes. Yeah, it's which not is like NFL enough. preseason. Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, Jokic didn't play. And I think Murray was still recovering. So, it's like the Michael Porter and KCP show, basically. Um, but, yes, awesome experience. I encourage anybody, uh, if they can find a way to get that uh, done, to do so. I know it's not... Uh, readily available but uh but whenever it comes up don't say don't you know maybe reschedule your plans that night to make it happen. you with your tone deaf comments i encourage everyone to go sit courtside at a game yeah why don't you do that and then fly private back to wherever you live and then <laughs> you'll get that experience i'm just kidding um, uh, so yes let's go back to the in-season tournament what do we got uh, well, you know, we've talked enough about the in-season tourney being a success. Um, yep. I, well, we'll go straight to the finals. I was still, you know, part of me was like, okay, this game doesn't count for the standings. It's in Vegas. Does that affect anything? The intensity was a game seven level intensity. It was. Um, yep. And LeBron set the tone for the Lakers. I've never seen him hustle. Like, I haven't seen that even in the playoffs last year. I didn't feel like he did that in any one game because obviously he's preserving himself for a long postseason run. This, I haven't seen him fly around the court like this in since Miami Heat days. So that was for a LeBron fan, fun to watch. I think the Pacers held their own for much of that game. I mean, they, they the lead slipped away towards the end, but um, I thought they played well given Halliburton took a while to get going. Uh, they did a great job. Um, kind of, they put uh reddish on him they had vando on him right they had big bodies to throw at him disrupt him get him to pass it earlier but even then he was dishing they were hitting shots early they made that game pretty competitive um but ultimately the lakers size went out and i i just like the fact that this gave us a t- gave us a taste of what the postseason could look like usually we're, we're wondering what will the suns look like this year what will the lakers look like this year we're told mm-hmm. not to ignore the regular season because they're not going to try until the postseason. So this is our first glimpse into, hey, this is what the Lakers will look like come April, May. This is what they look like when they ratchet up the intensity, the value of having all these big wings. Um, and when Austin Reeves needs to get going, can he do it? Like, So I think it was just entertaining from that standpoint, getting a little postseason glimpse into these rosters. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel empty. Like, I honestly don't know how to fill the void in my life uh, that comes from the in-season tournament being done. It felt like it came and went. It was a flash in the pan, Tuesdays and Fridays, and we had the quarters. And, uh, yeah, like, the intensity was there. You know, the way I I have text evidence of this, if anybody's interested, but I predicted Pacers are going to hang around, they're going to keep it competitive, and then LeBron's going to put his foot on on the gas and the Lakers will pull away. And, you know, I thought it was a really interesting matchup because the Pacers kept running. They didn't go away, but they weren't making threes like they did against the Bucks. Granted, you have to credit the Lakers' defense for that. And AD is just like Miles Turner, for whatever reason, has not provided any ounce of defense for them this season. And AD just went ballistic. It reminded me a lot of the 2020 finals where, similarly, AD was the best player, in my opinion. LeBron had the most best games and took home the MVP. But AD, when when push came to shove, was the guy to take him home. And if we're getting that version of him, 
then I really think you're going to, you know, you're going to be a legitimate title contender. Like you said, this is a good tune-up for it. You play high leverage games and you do so in like a single elimination format, which is probably even more uh, of that scenario than a best of seven where you can make adjustments and kind of, it's almost like when LeBron used to always lose game ones and that would allow him yeah. to figure out the matchup and then he would smoke him the rest of the time. You don't get that opportunity in this. So I thought, I thought that was an interesting thing. We don't need to go into the actual tournament structure or anything, but overall, you know, they took it seriously, so it matters. If they didn't, or if Durant or some of these other guys didn't, then it, it they wouldn't have you know had that cachet. Um, it is interesting though if you look at the east or the Western Conference, like basically like the top five teams were not in the quarters. Um, I think like Denver, OKC, Minnesota, um, and so not to say that we were lacking in star power, but it just. Like Embiid wasn't in it, Luca wasn't in it, so it's like a lot of guys next year I could see vying for like, okay, I want to get into that tourney play because that's really where the eyeballs kind of turn up a little bit. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think um, Kevin Durant had a comment, right? He was like, "Man, after seeing how much people cared about it, he kind of alluded to the fact that he wish they made it. Maybe they gunned a little bit harder." So I think it was great. I think it worked out well for the NBA. You have your LeBron Lakers grounding you to get the ratings, get the casual attention, but then the upstart Pacers to help generate, you know, more attention around a smaller market. Not that necessarily that they want that, but having Tyrese Halliburton become more of a household name that only benefits the NBA. Um, so it was great, and and dude, I can't watch a normal game on these brown courts anymore. I can't do that. I need, you need the, the bright red. You need the dude, bright that red. red and blue. I hated it at first, but by the end of it, I loved it. Like something about the contrast really made everything else pop. So like I told you before, Stockholm syndrome, but now I miss those crazy courts. Everything looks boring. Yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, they're going to tweak the courts, but they have, they actually figured something out with the concept of making them stand out. Like, like I said, I've said this before. Some of them were really bad. Like if you watch the nuggets and they had the, bright yellow line down the middle that was unwatchable if you watch the kings i actually thought the kings were probably the kings and the wizards interestingly enough our teams the king the kings at least went three and one and were in the quarters the, the wizards were zero and four and lost every game by like 108 but those two were kind of like the most pleasant courts i saw and they still looked very different so there's a there's a happy medium is what i'm trying to say like you can make the court stand out and do so in a way that's not like complete uh, disaster zone. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll figure all that stuff out. I mean, those are easy tweaks. Um, and then I'm ser- I'm curious what they do with point differential because I know that you know people were on both sides of that argument. Um, yeah, but I actually, you know, and some people said they wish it was longer. I thought it was the right length. I I'm just sad now. I mean, like, don't smile because well, it, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened type thing. That's the motto I'm sort of trying to adopt. Yeah, it does feel weird now because we still have two months until the All-Star break. So it's like this weird. I think the way they're thinking about it, it's like, okay, Christmas Day is coming up. That'll reset us a little bit. Get the five matchups. That's next week. Then you have, you know, All-Star voting. That kind of gets people thinking about things. Then you have like sort of All-Star weekend and trade deadline. So then we're into the the playoff picture. So they just we need to get through like January and then we're good to go. Yep. What do you think about the Lakers hanging the banner? (laughs) franchise 17 titles 
I, and I don't know if they want to do it or if the NBA, I think you said that NBA probably told them to do it. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's funny. I, I like clowning on it because they, they take such pride in the banners and make fun of the Clippers. Um, if I'm, if I'm look, the Kings, we hang up Pacific division banners um, up in the arena. So to me, I don't think it makes sense to hang this up and you know, it, everyone's going to joke on it, like make jokes, but this is the FA cup in the, in the um, premier yeah. league, right? At a certain point, it just, ha- it, it gets its own kind of merit and people know it's not as valuable as a real championship, but it's still something teams highlight like four time FA cup winner or whatever, like Arsenal, is known for never making it to the final, you know, or winning it all, but they win the FA Cup quite quite often. So I think it's okay. So I, you know, people are going to clown the Lakers, and I I like to get my jokes off as well. But it's not terrible, you know, to hang a banner for something like that because I think it, I think there is. I actually think over the next ten years, we'll learn like whether this is a signal. It might just be random noise. Like every year, we see a random team win it. Or what if it is somewhat predictive, right? It doesn't necessarily predict the title winner, but a team that maybe goes deeper than they're supposed to or something like that. We don't know. And so it could actually be meaningful. Well, Capital One Center, which we should talk about all the, call it noise around what's happening there, which is where the Wizards play, has a banner that was hung by the Mystics, the WNBA team when they played there for being the attendance champions in the season. <laughs> so that, that's our bar, basically. WNBA what attendance champions. That's what I'm trying to say is I think that's our bar. So anything above that has to... And, and how many teams field. were in the league when they won that? Probably two. It's like them and the Indiana Fever, <laughs> essentially. This is like the Celtics, like eight titles in 11 years or whatever. Yeah. When there was like eight teams and no black players. Um, so... Yeah, so I think uh, the the banner aside, the other thing I was thinking is like they were trying to think about, oh, should there be other team-driven outcomes, right? Right now it's only financial. I really, really hope that we don't get a guaranteed playoff spot. I saw some interesting things where it's like if you tie in the standings, you always win the tiebreaker if you had won the tournament. Like if it's a four or five and the fifth team won, they had the same record, you'd move to four. Like something like that I think is reasonable or whatever. Like who knows if it'll come up or not. But uh, like if the, but it actually could have pretty big implications, right? Let's say the Lakers were tied for sixth and they had lost a tiebreaker and therefore they would have to go into the play-in tournament. If they had won the in-season tournament, they get to go to sixth and avoid that. Like that's a yeah. big incentive. Yeah, with how bunched up the West is that you could easily right. see that scenario happening. I, I don't mind that, but I think all other arguments, I've said this before, are brain-dead arguments. Like what I mean by that is it's just there is no logic behind why we should incentivize them more mm-hmm. everyone's like i said everyone's complaint is don't devalue regular season games give them more oomph, give them more attention the moment you start attaching this to postseason awards it devalues the rest of these games can you imagine if this was for a playoff spot and then yeah. this hangover you're having afterwards is going to be even more because the tournament just spent so much a team got a playoff spot or maybe they get a standings boost and now what does that team care about these games coming up after? So Yeah, well, I guess it's like it's it's the lowest spot, right? So if the Pacers finished 11th, yeah, they would get the 8th spot if they had won it. But if they they don't want 8, right? If they're good enough to have won this in-season tournament, it's likely they would have finished above 8th anyway. Um, no, but, but if, if, if it's a team like, I don't know, 
the like Warriors, the Pelicans, right? Or, or let's say or the, the Warriors, Warriors, right? Where yeah. it's conceivable they win it. But their season's kind of going sideways. Draymond gets yeah. suspended. They could easily go in the tank and be like, whatever, we're going to get the eight seed and we'll, you know. Yeah. There's no point in gunning even harder. So I don't want to yeah. create weird incentives for the rest of the season. I don't want to change behavior for the rest of the regular season. So Fair. Yeah. excellent transition. Um, sounds like you've been podcasting for a little while. Let's talk about the Warriors. So Draymond Green, as you had just alluded to, did some type of crazy helicopter, like open hand, like slap slash punch on uh, Yusuf Nurkic yesterday against the Suns. Uh, the Warriors, he, he gets ejected. It was a flagrant two. I don't even know. That was not a natural move at all. It was not, not as many things Draymond does. They did not look like things that the human body typically does without, uh, you know, a firm decision to do so. He claimed it was an accident. He apologized. He was been he was suspended indefinitely today, um, which we're still waiting on what that means. Is that two games and then he's got to go to like anger management classes? Is it like 10 games? He's already taken a five-game suspension for uh, – bizarrely completely out of the blue just choke holding um rudy gobert is this guy completely off the reservation like is there any saving what was great about draymond or is he just determined to tank this warrior season and potentially like the last vestiges of his prime because i don't know what's going on right now i don't know what's going on he it seems it's like self-destructive behavior um and but at the same time it's it's like when you have a toddler and you let them throw a tantrum like it's only going to get worse and worse. And if you don't stop it once and don't stop it early, not that I have kids, I don't even know what it's like to have a toddler, but I'm assuming that behavior is only going to get worse. Right. And I think they, the warriors messed up, messed all this up when they never curbed it, when they enabled it, we've talked about this. We talked about this last time this happened, Steve Kerr enables it, the organization enables it and they coddle him. And at some point, is it worth it? Is it worth dealing with all this drama? Is it worth... I know they're trying to keep the core together, do this last dance type run, but I it, it's only going to get worse if they don't put a stop to it now. So I really think they need to step up and suspend him as a team. Forget about waiting for the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think the team needs to come out a little bit harder on him. Um, but I don't I see I think they're happening. so far gone. They're so far gone from that. Yeah. They've already made their bed. And look... It makes me very upset, but he is a four-time champ. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best defenders ever, and certainly of this generation. It's super frustrating that he's all those things because he is like one of the least likable players that we've had in the NBA in a long time. And him, and now we're seeing it with Clay. Like these guys are throwing tantrums because they're not the top dog anymore, and they're not able to take that well. And Steph is still there, right? So if he talks shit or if he acted a certain type of way you'd be more okay with it given he's still pretty much a top five to 10 player in the league. But uh, you know, there's a famous quote from the Sopranos. I think Bill Simmons has mentioned this before, but it really stuck with me. One of the times he says in, in the show Sopranos, he says, remember when is the lowest form of conversation, meaning it's all, you can't keep talking about the past. Like the past is over. Just like when Clay Thompson was putting up four rings in Devin Booker's face. Cause he was getting absolutely toasted right last season. Similarly, Draymond thinks he can do all this stuff because he's achieved some type of rarefied error. And I'm here to tell you he's a role player, a nice role player who got help from playing with the two greatest shooters of all time and a third dude who's a top 15 player ever. So respectfully to Draymond, like this is getting out of control and I don't know where it goes. Like, okay, he gets suspended 10 games. He's going to come back. And the number one thing he'll say when he talks (laughs) publicly the first time is like, 
I'm not changing who I am. This is how I play. This is how it gets. And Steve Kerr said, look, we got to let Draymond be Draymond. We know it. We've seen this script a thousand times. Like the worst, the punching pool was the absolute worst. And if he was not going to turn, like come back from that and make an apology, none of this stuff matters. They didn't even suspend him because they didn't want him to miss ring night. You remember? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, (laughs) It's just like, what are we doing? Like, this is crazy. He just punched his own teammate. And and here's the dirty secret about Draymond. Everyone talks about this as if it's been escalating behavior. I would actually say you could flip, you know, let's take the first incident he ever had. Let's say, I mean, one of the first major incidents, which was he flails his kick. Remember when he kicks Steven Adams in the nuts, 2016? Mm-hmm. Let's say you flip that event with this event. So in 2016, instead of that, he did a swing around and hit him. Guess what? Warriors fans then would have said, that's a basketball move. He was just for, you know, for thing. Sure. And then when if he did this kick now, everyone would agree, okay, this kick was clearly intentional. What I'm trying to say is that the severity of all these things are the same. I don't even think it's like escalating behavior. The difference is we used to defend or Warriors fans defended it back then. And it's taken us winning. this long to realize this is just who he is. And I think like, it's because they were winning. All right. Like they, were, it's they yeah. were like when he stomped on Sabonis last year. Yeah. Even then, they because, they were def- they, because they were defending champs. And if they won that, they're like, okay, we can start to make a run. And they're like, we have a chance here. And they're like, no, like Sabonis held his foot or whatever. It's like the guy stepped on, like stomped on his chest. Like what do we like? At some point, like you lose like a lot of credibility if you're just going to argue something that's so obvious in the other way. It's like when, not that these people exist, but if there were any James Harden fans out there and they were like, "No, he he gets fouled on the the, those that's like an honest way to play." He's just kind of like you know his Rockets days where he would like put his arm under the other guy's arm and then pull up. If you if you watch that and you were like, "No, that's like just they're fouling him. They're getting in his space. That's that's." certainly legal but it's it's not a loophole let's say you were like down with it you'd be like dude you're i mean this we can't have this conversation yeah and that's you how not I feel say like, that by any other player it's just yeah and that's how i feel talking and you know the warriors fans that i know you know way more but where are they now on the draymond temperature oh they're all they all hate Draymond. like all the warriors fans of my life the rational ones all hate Draymond. no one def- yeah. no one's defending him anymore but you know even the warrior fans the ones who don't hate him i think they're still trying to preserve look if i'm them this is your championship team right it's draymond it's clay it's steph and despite how bad it's all going only two years ago they won a title a year and a half ago so i think they all dismiss it they don't like it but um and many of them want to part ways with draymond at this point but at the same time this is your last like once draymond's gone um, you're not getting a big return for him the championship days are done like this team is not contending um yeah i mean they yeah, they don't – I mean, they blew a big lead on Friday to OKC. They lose yesterday without Durant against the Suns. Obviously, Draymond got kicked out, but they were up in that game and then lost the lead. Not a huge lead, but Steph, after a scorched earth start, has been very good, but not, like, transcendent, I would say, over the last month or so. And then Clay is just a complete mess. He's a basket case. Andrew Wiggins, same boat. They just don't have any talent on this team. Um, nope. No, like you, it's like it's like basically if you ranked every player in the league as some people tend to do, um, <laughs> weird weird people. Um, if you ranked every player in the league, Steph would probably let's say it's my rankings. I don't know, just throwing it out there. Steph would probably be number five, six, seven that range, right? I don't know that I name another warrior in the top sixty. No, right? and, like, and it's it's. 
Yeah. That's that's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, that's like 2018 Le- uh, LeBron kind of roster construction. Cavs. No, no, no. The 2018 was way worse. Way it was worse. worse, but it was a better version of LeBron, right? Like it was peak LeBron. So I just mean like in terms of like one guy who's an absolute super megastar and then what is going on outside of him. And like at least with the Warriors, those guys have been stars. So you could expect yeah. them to rise up in other situations. But I look at this team and I look at the West and like who are, who is scared of Golden State now the way they used to be? No. Really nobody. No one. They don't strike. I mean, they they the Kings were until we finally beat them and slayed that. The Kings dragon. were, but the Kings are somewhat of a matchup dependent team in certain yep. situations. Everyone's a matchup dependent team. I don't, but I don't think that. Like, I don't look at Fox and it was like, oh, I'm scared. Like, oh no, Fox, no, no, that, that fear is not there. That fear of right. Golden State. Is yeah, not. like if they lose, they lose. But like, it's not like a oh shit, we're playing in the in Oracle. They hit four straight threes yep. and now we're toast. Like that, yep, that's right. gone. And you know, with Wiggins and who knows when he's coming back with 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 his old self, like it's just. I don't know. Lot, lot, lot of questions to be answered there. Yeah. Um, All right. So what's next? So the Suns had their big three play for the first time tonight. So I don't think we should dive too deep into what's going on yet, given where um, we're still early innings. They lost tonight, but they were on that back-to-back, like we mentioned. Uh, lost at home to the Nets, which is kind of interesting because the Nets now actually have a better record than the Suns after everything the Suns gave up to get Durant. Um, but neither here nor there. Let's quickly talk Clippers. So you smartly said, I'm not worried about this team. They're going to make the playoffs. It doesn't, it's not a good fit, but at the end of the day, the talent, they're going to out talent a lot of teams. Since that conversation, they're eight and three. Um, they look pretty damn good with some convincing wins, right? They've beaten Denver. They've beaten the Kings. Uh, they beat a couple other good teams. Uh, they beat the Warriors. Um, which I don't know, may or may not count as a good win. So originally they were piling up on Spurs, but then they started knocking off some actual good teams. So where are you at with the Clippers? Because this is a really interesting basketball experiment and it feels like it's starting to go the way I think they initially had hoped. Yeah. I mean, this is what I anticipated with them. I think there were some growing pains early on, I, but you know, whatever you think of Harden, he makes that starting unit just more efficient. Um, and having Westbrook come off the bench as a spark plug, I think the team just operates better that way. He makes smart plays. Um, so, you know, when the Kings played him at one point, uh, he was doing so much damage. He was hitting threes, shooting. They'd send a trap up near half court, get him to pass the ball. And you could do that to Westbrook, force him into mistakes, you know, cause turnovers, run the other way, get fast break points. Harden's too crafty. He's too smart. Um, he can find the open man. And you can't leave him open because he's still a much better shooter. So I think this team just operates much more efficiently and benefits from Westbrook instead coming off the bench and being that spark plug. And yes, they lost depth in that trade. But ultimately, I think the fact that they can play PG, Kawhi, Harden, and have three reliable scorers, creators, um, and they can get by on defense. You know, Harden is not great on that end, but... This is to me what the team always looked like. And we always knew like this doesn't make them a necessarily vault them into title contention, but it keeps their floor relatively high. And that's that's what I think we're seeing. I'm really interested because in some ways they're both slow and they're small, which is hard to do. 
right? You have to you usually are one or the other. Usually you're big and a little plodding, or you're slow and you're sorry, small and fast. The fact that they play a plotting style while also having really no bigs behind Zubac is like such a fascinating experiment. Like whether they're going against Jokic, whether they're going against AD and LeBron, whether they're going against Valanciunas, Zion, Ingram, like these big front lines, even like Sabonis and those guys or um, Minnesota, right? Gobert, Cat, Jaden McDaniels. Like it's going to be fascinating to watch this team in some of these matchups because if you look at their weaknesses, it kind of feels like they're, they have flaws against most of the top teams in the West. So maybe this all plays out in the playoffs where they don't really get past round one. Um, and you have four stars or semi-stars on the team. So it's not like they were going to suck forever and just like lose 40 games a season, 45 games or something. But what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing a little bit more fluidity. I think the move for Russ to the bench creates just that releases that log jam of ball handling. They can, I think Harden is still the point guard. They're letting him do his thing. But really, if you look at Kawhi's numbers, he hasn't taken any fewer shots than he normally takes, right? Paul George is probably the one that sacrificed the most, but he comes and goes normally anyway. feels like you need Kawhi to be the main guy, and then George let him ride hot shooting nights. And otherwise, it's a little bit easier to make him, you know, it's not a good use of his skill set, but if he does end up becoming a little bit more of that 3 and D player, it's palpable because he's a great shooter. He's a great catch-and-shoot shooter, and he's obviously great on defense, defensive end. So... It'll be about matchups, of course, like all of these things are. But most importantly, I think it'll be about if Kawhi is healthy and playing the way he's playing right now, which is pretty damn good. Like, I think he had like 31 on 11 of 14 last night or something crazy. If he's locked in, like you said, they're not in the inner list of title contenders. If they make round two, I would consider that a reasonable kind of mark for them. Yeah. And and Harden, to his credit, the question was, can he play a different brand of ball? The first couple of games, it was ugly but he's got his usage back down like this is the lowest usage he's had since 2013 2014 i think yeah uh no 2011 2012 so 10 years wow. as his rookie and year. it's his mo- it's his highest true shooting percentage since his third year 2011 2012 uh and that i think it's is notable because when he was a free throw merchant and shooting a ton of threes he actually had a pretty high true shooting percentage for a guard um, but this is actually his most efficient season yet. And we don't think of him as that efficient score necessarily anymore. So he's playing within himself uh, and they're clicking, but you know, with this team, look, we're, you're still getting crazy minutes out of Paul George and Kawhi. I just feel like at some point, you know, Paul George left the game against the Kings last night with a groin injury in the middle of the game. I just worry about how these guys keep it together they've played the whole season it's like kind of unreal like Kawhi and pg i think have played every game or every game but one for this team and now we finally saw the first chick in the armor for paul george we'll see when it comes for Kawhi because it's coming yeah this is where actually the harden acquisition is super valuable is that he is a tank and he plays every game and it's almost the logic I initially, like, very foolishly thought made sense for when Russ went to the Lakers because AD and LeBron do miss time, and he plays every game. The problem is Russ is not always a net positive on the court, yeah. whereas Harden, <laughs> even, you know, to his credit, even though despite all the flaws, he is always a net positive, at least during the regular season. And, I mean, last year he averaged 22 and 11. So it's not like, uh, you know, he's he's washed yet. So I think he gives him, like you said, a high floor and – he can also get guys like Zubac and some other role players like way better looks than they were able yep. to get previously. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, two other things. Sorry, I meant to mention from the not from the in season tournament, but just got me thinking. LeBron. I mean, we we don't need to do the retrospective. I think we give him enough credit on this pod, but I'd love to give him more credit. This is getting to be not just out of control. I guess the only real comp is Tom Brady at this point. Because if you look at guys in year 21 in the NBA, they have, I think the number one guy averaged like seven points a game, like in terms of the highest points per game in year 21, right? Prior to this season, LeBron is close to 30. He's shooting his career high in two pointers and in three pointers, which kind of breaks my brain just thinking about it. He's picking and choosing his spots better before. I mean, he's mastered every facet of, of the game of basketball. So, how long can this witchcraft really go on? Not just, and I, I think the question has to change. It's not like how long can it go on because how long will his body let him? It's almost like how long is he going to want to do this? Because it feels yeah. like like he's still a top 10 player in the NBA in my estimation. And so if you're still doing that in year 21, why wouldn't you be good enough to be like, you know, a third option in year 24, year 25? Like he could, feels like he could do it if he wanted. So the question to me is just like, how long do you think this is going to go on from his decisioning point? Yeah, I think at least three three years, maybe at a pretty high level as a second banana. I think he's got maybe not three years, but at least two more years after this season. After that, it gets tricky, right? Because once you fall to like a third or four option, these guys like a LeBron can't operate like that. He he's can't. Just, yeah, he's too. Uh, kind of in control of an offense and control of a team that I don't know if he'll just slip into that third, fourth role. You know, like Carmelo struggled to do it. He was able to do it, but Carmelo's a very different type of player, right? And LeBron, I don't think, will ever settle for that. So it'll be up to him when he decides to call it. I'm just impressed, man. I think, you know, we don't have to relitigate the GOAT stuff. I, But at the same time, you know, one of the things people always say, oh, well, of course, LeBron's got the longevity of the career, a better overall career. Jordan's got just the better dominance, greatness, right? Because he did it over a 10-year span. Yeah. Um, which is fair. But at the same time, I think, and one of the other arguments we make for Jordan or talk about his greatness is that he was so much better than everyone else at his, at his time. And I think what I'm starting to realize about LeBron is, in some ways, he's so much better than everyone else, not because he's putting up better stats, but because guys who've come into the league after him, like even with the access to the like you know newer training everyone knows not to take care of their bodies guys who come into the league after him are seeing their careers end before him so that's not even we say it's normal that nowadays everyone's career gets extended but lebron is still so much of an anomaly like yeah. brady was that it's just it's unbelievable man and i thought i said at the beginning of the season i thought the first couple of games he looked like he was slowing down the signs were there. we we, we kind of buried him and then he was i like, buried uh, him for sure and then is. yeah and so i it's just been incredible and it's fun to watch like watching him fly around in that pacers game like if there's one thing lebron is good at it's elimination games like he has won the last nine i believe um and he dominates in elimination games Back against the wall. Or when I say elimination games, like do or die games, like game seven, he dominates. So um, that's why, like, you know, we talked about the fear that the Warriors no longer strike. I still think LeBron strikes fear. Um, Maybe people won't say it or maybe they, you know, like if you Phoenix, let's say. But it always feels like Durant just doesn't make the play that LeBron makes, right? Like over and over and over again, watching those two go at it. 
minus the Warriors days, which was a bit of a cheat code. It always feels like LeBron just makes that one additional play that Durant doesn't. And I feel like at some point it's not by chance. Um, Speaking of longevity, obviously Durant is in year 17, post Achilles, post Jones fracture. Like what he's doing is insane, right? And he could easily, I mean, kind of don't see any reason why he can't do this for another four or five years if he wanted, three, four years. We know the guy, you know, sleeps, eats, breathes basketball. So it's actually going to be interesting because as guys age, like Steph is in year 14 um, or 15, right? So you're starting to see people get up there. And it's almost like there's the Westbrook Harden contingent, which are now on like clearly a different phase of their careers. And then like uh, Durant and Steph kind of starting to look more like they can extend into the LeBron type. Like I'm still as good as I've been or mostly as good as I've been into years like 18, 19, 20. So that's going to be something I'm watching as these guys get older. I mean, Dame was drafted in 2012. Yeah, so he's year of 12. And he's right he was older, right? Yeah. But he's starting senior. to he's still yeah. playing well, but you're starting to see a little bit of those rough right. games he's having and it's it's insane, man. Um Right, yeah, or look at like a Chris Paul who is LeBron's age. Those guys are granted small point guards, so it's a little bit different. Take Kevin Love, right? 08 draft class freshman came out after his freshman year so he's not that old but clearly you know sort of borderline <laughs> starter role player sort of thing so that's that's the typical arc it's you know blake griffin's out of the league um yeah. or at least i think or maybe he's on the celtics bench i'm not sure right but now. um yeah. yeah there's there's no shortage of names in that regard um okay so what we're gonna do quickly anything else on news and notes from the league no I think Zion, uh, everybody Zion, shout Zion out. this week. You know, I felt bad, man. We all make fun of Zion, but he sounded very remorseful in that press conference. And uh, he, he said all the right remorseful things. remorseful about the way he pronounced lackadaisical. <laughs> How did he say it? I don't know. I, I love those, though, because I, like... Like, it's almost like I talk for a living in a way, like just at work and stuff. And so you do, you say so many words. You do, I'm sure this is true of like NBA players who have a mic in front of them 24-7. And you just F one of them up and there's no hiding from it. You're just <laughs> like, it. it's there. And it happens to me, happens to everyone. But whatever he did. It's like when uh, Kevin Garnett was on that show. And I think he was trying to oh, say yeah. equival- equivalent. <laughs> I don't know what came out, but it's similar. Uh, um, yeah, no, I know. I I. Hey, look, I, we all, he's still, we've always said he's talented. He's got to get it together. And he had one good game. He dropped 36. Let's see how many of those he can string together. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know what, what, what else there is to say with Zion. This has been the narrative with him for the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating with, with how, how talented he is. And like, I, I think people have said it, but as good as his numbers still are, they're not like his peak numbers, but they're still very good. He's, he does not look like he, and I said this to you on this podcast, like even in preseason, right? I was like, he does not look like the athleticism has slipped. Like the jumping is not, if you go and even watch the Duke highlights, which was only five years ago, that is a different animal. It's just like what he was doing there, elevating, jumping into passing lanes, blocking shots, he's turned into a completely different player and I can't imagine it's because his body's caught up with him yet. Meaning like, I don't think it's just his natural body is slowed down from getting old. I think it's clearly like his way he's taking care of it. So 
Yeah, and we see glimpses of that athleticism when he goes for these big dunks. Like you said, it's not the same, but that athleticism, like when at Duke, jumping, blocking threes, contesting, getting into lanes, like you said, that is none of that activity is there. Yeah. That activity is not there outside of a couple of highlight dunks here and there. So yeah. if he can get back to that type of activity on the court, obviously that's college, that's different, but he's athletic enough to make that kind of an impact defensively and offensively, but we haven't seen it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if if he's great, the Pelicans are fun and they're talented. Brandon Ingram's having a big year. So, like, there's a lot that I think the league in general needs for him to, to kind of figure it out. And it sounds like Ingram is also not a big worker. That's yeah. been some of the reports that they're trying to get these two guys to, like, grind more. And they're just both like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, it's um, a personality thing. Yeah. All right. On that note, we are going to do one of my favorite activities, which is involving making lists. lists. Uh, yeah. yep. and, so, and so we are going to do our quarter mark all-star teams. Um, and so this is just like first pass subject to change in a month and a half. This could look totally different. Um, but we figured it'd be a fun way to kind of look at where we are. I think everyone's played North of 20 games. We're, we're starting to see, and you've always said the 20 game mark is when you start paying attention. Yeah. So we'll see where things land. We're going to go through starters and the bench. Just as a quick reminder, we have to have two guards and three front courts in the starters, two guards and three front courts in the bench, plus two wild cards, which can be any position. And, this will be noted as we get closer to the actual All-Star game. They ditched the captain format, so we're finally going to go back to East versus West. The rosters were selected East versus West. East versus, see, I just said West, like or Vest. This is exactly what I was just talking about. Um, the Indian you are. Exactly. East versus West in the actual game. The rosters were selected that way anyway, so we'll, we'll do it in that format. You ready to go? Yeah. And and hold on. There's a couple of rules, right? Yeah. Two, two backcourt, three frontcourt. Yeah. Yep. And then in the bench, two backcourt, three front court, and then two wild cards. Yeah. Thank you for that. And honor, I've got an honorable mentions. That. Yeah, it's a good idea. I, I know them in my head. I, I'm okay. really interested to see. So, okay, in the East, the starters, all five of mine were locks, no-brainers, didn't think about it twice. Uh, I had and one I debated in. heavily. Heavily. Okay. Let me go in order of biggest lock to okay. lowest, and you'll see what yeah. you So, Joel Embiid. Yep. I assume. Giannis, fresh off yep. of a 64-point game tonight, um, which really wild. Uh, quick note on that game. Obviously, it was a rematch of the IST semis, which was then the highest over-under of all time. This was the highest over-under of all time, surpassing last Thursday's game, and it went over. Damn. The over-under was 259. Total points were 266, and they play again in one another week. So, just FYI. <laughs> Third is Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Fourth is Jason Tatum. Yep. And fifth is Tyrese Maxey. I got Tyrese Maxey as well. Okay, so we have the same starters. Who? So, who are you debating the most, Maxey? I think Donovan Mitchell could go in this spot. Okay. Um, they're both, if you actually look at their stats, impact, it's pretty kind of similar. I, but I gave the nod to Maxi. Um, he's also been, I think, a little bit more efficient. And I just, that, what he's done with the Sixers this year, and especially the way he started the season, mm-hmm. he had that 50 point game. He slowed down after that, but 
uh, he has really blossomed into like that yeah. two that second banana to Joel Embiid. So I gave him the nod, but you could argue Mitchell for that one. Yeah, I was debating between those two, but I went Maxi because of the team record and because I really don't know that I like what I've seen from the Cavs. And I feel like Donovan Mitchell is going a little ball hoggy, mm-hmm. kind of like how he played like the end of the Utah tenure. And by all these reports saying he's not going to resign, it feels like it's a ticking time bomb before either he leaves or they trade him or Garland to try to try to get to it's, one sort of lead guard and figure this thing out a bit. It's kind of a Fox and Halliburton problem. Not the same. Yeah. because This team is very good with Mitchell and Garland. Right. I'm like, but I think no, at some true. point you're going to have to pick one and yeah, try to and shore up at, the roster. I look at Garland, right? He made the all-star team the year before they got Mitchell. Yeah. And he was a beast. And it feels like the last two years he's been somewhat of an afterthought. And that's like a completely wrong way to use him. I think he's a superstar level point guard. I mean, not like, you know, top 10, you know, all NBA kind of thing, but perennial all-star. I think he absolutely could get in that realm, like the Trey Young kind of level. And he just doesn't have the opportunity. So I think that's fair. Um, Anything else to talk about? Halliburton, I mean, this guy... I know he's actually had a couple semi-rough games since the ISD, but what he did versus Milwaukee in the semis, the 15 tur- assists, zero turnovers, the, the the speed in which he plays, the shooting efficiency. Right now, offensively, he is as good as anybody not named Nikola Jokic. I'm um, yeah. just thinking about all the ways he creates. And last year, I felt like he was overly passive, right? Like he would have games where, you know, he'd have 12 assists, but only 15 points and he took like nine shots. And it's like, if you're the star of the team, like, what are you doing? And this year, I think he's taken much more ownership of like actually scoring because in today's game, you cannot be Steve Nash, right? Steve Nash does not exist in today's NBA. You have to be able to do both. And he's finally learning to step into that role. Yeah. He's gotten more crafty with the scoring. He knows how to take angles to the rim, get to the rim easily. He knows he can make split, last second decisions with that pass and it freezes defenses. It freezes them in a moment. And then he goes up for that floater. Right. So I think his offensive game has definitely taken a step forward. He's a lock for second team, all NBA, possibly first. He has a good case for first first at this moment. So, um, and I don't see that changing. Like I know he's turned it over a little bit more, but I was never that like blown away. The turnover stats were amazing, right? Like the 15 assists, zero turnovers. I knew that was going to come back, but, um, yeah, it's but he's still, only averaging two and a half turnovers on the season. It's not like this was like a you couple know, it's still games great for the, the amount of time he has ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, there's nothing else to say about him, man. I think he's he's definitely second team All NBA if he keeps this up at the least. First team right now, yeah. maybe. Yep. Okay, so let's go with give me your first five off your bench. So we have well, the same I, you, you have to go two guard, three forward. Correct. So I'll go with my guards first. I already said Donovan Mitchell. Yep. And Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's been incredible, man. Like the three-point shooting is going to for sure fall back to earth, but he's shooting it lights out. The offensive engine, I mean, Randall's been kind of on and off, but Brunson once again has been the engine. And the Knicks have been, where are they today in the standings? They're sixth? Yeah. 13-9, though. Yeah, they're only a half game out of fifth, so... I think I, I go with him. Those and were my those two, two at the guards, guards as well. Yeah. Yep. Those were my two guards. And I'd say on Randall, he's had a really up and down year. He was started off terribly before he's kind of normalized. 
and Brunson's been just, and even Barrett has had started off well, and now he's kind of tailed off, and Brunson's just been steadying for sh- shooting the hell out of the ball uh, from three. So I would be very excited if he gets his first All Star nod. Oh, he wasn't an All Star last year. No, Randall got it. Wow. Yeah. Who do you have? Okay, so who do you now have for your three front court? Yeah, so I have the two Miami Heat guys. I have Jimmy Butler and I have Bam Adebayo. Um, Bam deserves it, I think, even more than Butler this year. But they've both been really good, especially without a hero for the bulk of the season. This is where I get a little wonky, but I have Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I just think Boston has been the best team in the East start to finish. I think he's probably been their second best player. I haven't really loved the Jalen Brown experience thus far this year. And although his numbers are down a bit from last year, I think his efficiency's up. His advanced stats look good. They've been really good with him on the court. And I didn't kind of know who else to pick, so I went Chris Stops. Okay. I, I agree with you on Bam and Jimmy. You know, um, they've been good. Jimmy's been great. Nothing surprising. Kristaps, no. No, 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 no. I'm going Paolo. Come on, man. The, you got to give the, the Magic who beat the Celtics, who are only a game and a half or maybe two games behind. Paolo's having a great year. Yep. Efficient scoring. He's he's not scoring that much more than last year, but the efficiency and the way he's getting his buckets is just he's a much smarter, more patient player this season. Yep. And it's translating to wins. Of course, he's getting help from we've talked about Suggs' improvement, Cole Anthony, Franz obviously has been amazing, but this team is still Paolo's team, and he, I think, deserves the spot more than Kristaps. Okay, fair. So Paolo is my wildcard selection, one of the two. So I have Paolo. Um, I was debating between him and Franz because the Magic have to have an all-star for how good they've been and really kept it up after the hot start. And my last wildcard is... Damian Lillard. And I was debating between him and actually Trey Young. Mm-hmm. And Trey started off really poorly from the field. His assist numbers have been good. He's finally normalized and his numbers are kind of crazy. He's like 28 and 10. His shooting numbers are starting to creep back up to his career averages, but that team record is still leaving me with a bad taste in my mouth. And you just don't know what to expect from Atlanta. So I went Dame. I don't feel great about it. He has looked uneven. It's but their offense is blistering, and I think he's a big reason why. So a little bit of a legacy pick there as well with expect, expectation of him to round in a more in better form as the year goes. All right, I've got Dame as well. Um, okay. So we have also, one Also, I mean, he's he's still been good. He's not been what we expect. Yeah, he's 25 and 7. Like, yeah. we're not, the guy doesn't suck. And the Bucks aren't chopped liver, right? Like, I think so much is made of their defense and this and that and Adrian Griffin, but – they lost early in the IST, but they're third. They're third seed. This is kind of where they've been last couple of years. Yeah. They're in this the two to three seed mix, right? Yeah. Um, I actually I put Trey as my last wild card. I thought I'd okay. he's been having a good season. The Hawks have not been good. So for yeah. me, this was between Porzingis. He's the first off my list, and Trey. Porzingis has the team. You argument. made it sound he, like you had never heard the name Christos Porzingis before when I named him an All Star. Well, he's your he first was like a the lock. List. He was a lock for your top ten, and he's off. No, my list. it was only because the two guys. Okay, okay fine. Paolo, I had as the wild card. Yeah, fair. Maybe I should have put Paolo in the front court and Christos. But considering that how the rest of our list is pretty much exactly the same, 
yeah, that fair. felt to me like a big delta. So, um, all right, who are who are your guys who you left off? Um, so Trey Young is one of them. He's number one. Jalen Brown, I threw him a customary, just a you know sort of yeah. like shout out. I don't think he's, he's just, had an all star. He's kind of year. a miserable. I don't know what it is about Jalen Brown, right? He's yeah. just kind of a miserable player to watch. Yep, his demeanor doesn't help. I just don't get <laughs> good agree. vibes. So the longer list would include like Franz Wagner, right? Yep. Who's on that consideration? I've got him over Jalen. Yeah, it includes Julius Randle, who I think has gotten better and starting to look like himself again. Includes Mikhail Bridges, who again was a secondary consideration, and then the only other guy I put on there was uh, Pascal Siakam, which again I wasn't like crying that I left him <laughs> off the list. I don't even go that far. I had Porzingis, then Franz, then Jalen, then Randall. But okay. But to me, the East was pretty simple. I think the that the one we talked about, the Porzingis versus Trey. Uh, that was the only tough one. But otherwise, the other eleven out of the twelve were pretty much locks in my mind. Yeah. Well, I think, and again, like. It'll depend. Like right now, Paolo, so Paolo is another guy who he's almost 50-40 shooting right now, which is crazy given the way he started. But their Magic are absolutely going to have a all-star and all-star, and it's very much likely to be Paolo versus Franz because Paolo is the guy that is like the true budding superstar, right? Number one pick in year two. So if those two are close, I think coaches lean, lean Paolo because of sort of just like what his ceiling is. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and Franz has struggled shooting the ball a little bit. He's scoring, yeah. but you know it's not yeah. as efficient as it was last year. Um, right. Okay, so that's interesting. Let's go to the West. Who, in my opinion, this roster absolutely smashes the East. But um, <laughs> you want to start with your starters? I thought these five were complete locks for me. So I cheated on this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, I'm curious. Okay, let's see it. So that means we have a different five because I did not cheat. I yeah, I cheated. Jokic is a lock. Okay, for one of the front court spots. Yeah, I've got LeBron for another okay. front court. This isn't an order by the way. I'm just listing. Yeah, LeBron, LeBron is a front. Well. I've got Luca as one backcourt spot. Yeah, and I got Steph as one backcourt spot. Now Steph. You can argue. I think you're going to put Ant up there. No, um, I'm putting SGA. Are you oh, sorry, sorry, SGA. So, so that's where I cheated. I put SGA at forward. Oh my god, dude! And, and my <laughs> my logic here. Here's my logic though. I'll swap. Fine, swap it. Put Luca at forward and SGA at guard. But to me, they both have to be in the first team. How do you put Steph over Durant? So. Durant has been incredible. Where I I have to give Steph credit because of the shit show the Warriors have been, and yes, their record is also kind of reflective of that. But he's I mean, the still Suns been aren't, incredible. yeah, the Suns aren't putting the world on fire. They're only like two games above the Warriors, so yeah. So I and and I think they both have the same narrative. They've both been just one man shows. Booker uh, Durant more so because Booker's missed some games and he's carried them, but Steph more so because the rest of the team has sucked. Okay. So, yeah. I, I mean, See, Steph my, is my first put, guard off the front bench, but I don't need. How, I don't know how you leave Durant out of the starting lineup. Well, that, that was my dilemma, right? I didn't. I don't want to leave SGA out. What's LeBron's argument over Durant? IST winner. 
<laughs> no, but the final didn't count. AD's 41 and 20 just disappears into the ethers of NBA history. Yeah. <laughs> Durant should be probably over LeBron. Um, so I actually agree with you. I'm just giving, this is my rankings, man. I'm giving LeBron a nod for just balling out. I have them both. Look, I had LeBron and Durant, SGA, Luka, Jokic. Well, I'm not even a big Steph Curry guy. I'm just giving him the respect. But fine, Steph Curry could be the first guy off the bench. The way this will actually work, it'll be Jokic, LeBron, Durant, Luka, Steph. Like that's yeah. how it'll get voted in is what my guess is. Well, yeah, that's obvious because those are the most popular players as well. Well, it's not – it's 50% fan vote, right? But they'll get enough other like player and and – the interesting thing, speaking of that, in the, in the East is I think Halliburton is now popular enough where he'll get top five. Oh, yeah. Max is the one dude who I could see getting bumped for like a Dame or someone. Yeah, 100%. So, all right. Who is – who are your guards in the on the bench? So you have Steph in your starting lineup. Yeah. So you have to remember that, right? Yep. Um, De'Aaron Fox. Yep. Ant. Okay. Now, Ant, you could put him as a forward, I guess. I don't know. I think he's a guard because, I mean, they very clearly play like McDaniels at the three. I know. But like some of these guys, just because they're body type, I don't know if you want to argue they can be a wing. A front court so Ant, like is a wing. Ant is on my team, but he's a wild card. Because I oh. have Fox and I have Steph as my backcourt. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you put okay. you picked De'Aaron over Ant. I'm surprised. De'Aaron over Ant. They both had some injury concerns. I like what I've seen from Fox scoring the basketball. Like I thought it would tail off and it really hasn't. He's still yep. at 30 a game. And I feel like Sabonis has taken just a slight step back from who he was last year. He's still very, very good. But I feel like Fox is kind of like it was a 1A, 1B thing last year. And now it's very clearly that Fox is the yep. best player on the team. Um, and the Kings have stabilized. Like they were pretty bad when he didn't play and pretty good when he does. And so I think that that gave him the edge. Yep. And now Ant's got this hip thing, unfortunately. Like he tried to come back and I think he went out like within five minutes. So I hope that that's not, you know, linger. Yeah. All but right. Ant, yeah. He's been, he's also one of the guys who last year it's like Ant and Cat. There's a little bit of tension. Now it's clear that it's Ant's team. He's yeah. assumed that role. So my front court, this is interesting. I have three guys, and all four of my top honorable mentions are all also front court. So it's a very mixed bag of who to go to. So I went Kawhi Leonard. I went Anthony Davis. And I went Alpern Shangun as my front court. You got to give it up for the Rockets, man. Like, what they're I, doing is yeah, incredible. I, uh, okay. So, I'll, I got Kevin Durant because I took right, him. Right, yeah, fair. Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Um, and Anthony Davis. It's a hell of a as, trio. Yeah. So, your team is probably better Right, your first ten just yeah, players because you basically swapped Shangun for who? Oh, for Ant. For Ant, yeah. Okay, I mean, so who my, are your wild my, cards? My, I broke a rule. Remember, SGA it throws everything off because I broke yeah. a rule. Who were your wild cards? I had uh, so here's where Devin Booker's missed a lot of games. Doesn't matter. He's in. But I I put Booker. Yeah, he's insane. And I put. I think I might have overreacted to this one. I put Rudy Gobert. Oh wow! But I mean, I don't know, man. Like, might, I think some of the he, 
he might be DPOI. Yeah, so I think he has to get like he offensively. It's not like he's fundamentally changed. Um, it's not like he was bad defensively last year. I just think he's so much more impactful this year. And of course, Ant's leap is another reason why they're so good. But I, they, he is why they're so dominant defensively. So yeah, I had to I give mean, him the nod. They're a mediocre to below average offensive team. Yeah. So they're 17 and five because they're defense. And he is the fulcrum of the entire defense. I so, actually think, given the way coaches vote, he has a really good shot of making the all-star team. I su- you know, assuming this all continues, which there's no really reason that it shouldn't. So that would be fascinating. So I had Booker and I had Ant. So basically I have Shangun uh, yeah. over Gobert. Yeah. Which maybe that's overreacting. But uh, no, I, I mean Shangun's been amazing and I have so him on have my a, honorable mentions. I was gonna say, do you have a European center bias because you didn't take Kristaps or uh Shangun, but then Gobert is European center, so and Sabonis is European heritage, even though he's not he grew up. But here. you didn't take him, did you? No, he's my honorable yeah. mention. Yeah, so my honorable mention, Ingram, Zion, yep. Sabonis. I didn't have Gobert, but it's a good call. I should have put him. And Chet Holmgren. Oh, I think is the nuts not, Chet. again, not there yet, but pretty damn good. I had Sabonis, Shangun, PG, and Ingram. Oh, PG, yeah. PG was good. PG's kind of like, does. it's just, you yeah. kind of expect he, it. He's sort of doing exactly what he does every year. And if there's enough spots, he gets a nod. If not, he's never going to win yeah. like a tiebreaker <laughs> argument. Yeah. By the way, like you picked Chet to win Rookie of the Year in our picks pool. Yeah. He's, you know, kind of prohibitive favorite at this point. I think I picked Giannis like, to win MVP as well. I have Luca though. Luca's looking freaking ridiculous again. Actually, yeah, right now I think it's probably head to head with them, right? And Jokic is still there. I mean, you no, know, he won't win it. He's 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 been amazing, but it's like we're just gotten used to it. It's the LeBron effect. That's why I think Luca's gonna get it because Giannis also has two. If they're head to head and they're close, and Kyrie is not quite the second fiddle that Dame is, I think Luca would get it. Yeah, but Luke, I mean. Sure, but like Giannis, when you look back at it, he's got the sixty-four point game right now. He's been yeah. on a tear recently. Like this is the other thing is they're going to win like fifty-five games, whereas you can't really count on Dallas to do that. I mean, Dallas is on track, but you're right; it they, it could regress for them. Um, really quickly. Uh, so what I was going to say is Victor Wembanyama, who is playing in like one of the worst situations that you could possibly put a generational player like himself in is starting to do some crazy shit. Like he had a 2020 game recently. He almost had another one a couple nights ago. He had 30 and 13 tonight against AD. You're starting to see him put it together and it's scary. This guy is a freak as well. I just want to shout him out. I know he won't, you know, these the Spurs have been on TV so many times, and they just get their face pushed in it's, like every time they play. But like he is starting to show why he's that special. It's funny he's getting. I feel like he's getting less hype now, even though yeah, he's been he playing is. better. He is. Because everyone's kind of over the, it. Because <laughs> those first dude, couple weeks, he's like, "Oh my god, this guy!" Like just, I, I don't know how we got here. The Pistons are two and twenty-two. Yeah, they've lost twenty-one straight games. I don't know what the NBA record is, but um, they got to be pushing it. The Wizards are three and twenty, and leaving DC, and the Spurs are three and twenty. How is it that these three teams are this 
this bad. It's it doesn't make any sense. Um, like all three teams are on pace to break the uh, like the lowest wins in NBA history. Yeah, and well, actually, to be fair, only the Pistons are technically, but the, the others are close. Because I forgot it was seven and fifty nine Bobcats, which which in the lockout season I think translates to like nine wins. No, no, they had yeah nine wins was the lowest. But they went seven and fifty nine in uh, in the lockout. Season. Yeah, but my point is they're projected for nine wins, right? Yeah. Um, the longest losing streak in one season, not across two, twenty six games. So I mean, Cle- like, okay. Like, let me just look at their schedule. I don't even know who I would favor them against because they got blown out by Washington when we played. So they have... They have Philadelphia. (laughs) Oh, my God. At Philly, at Milwaukee, at Atlanta, home versus Utah, at Brooklyn, home versus Brooklyn, at Boston. That's their next, like, eight. Those are all losses. Maybe home versus Utah is the only one that they have a chance in. Yeah. Jesus. But, I mean, like, they'll win one of those games. It's just... What do you mean they'll win one of those games? They've lost 21 straight. Yeah, but, dude, the the reason it's so hard in the NBA is they just... You need one hot shooting night. Yeah, they've been waiting on that for a month and a half. Here's the other thing I don't get. Nobody's talking about how the fact that they paid... uh Monty Williams, six years, $78 million deal to do this. Like, I could have gone up there and done this. Yeah, it's like Monty, Monty Williams, he got a lot of great shine with that Suns run. But towards the end, he didn't handle, and not that Aiden, Aiden actually, I think, is more of the problem maybe, but he didn't handle a lot of things at the end of his Phoenix tenure that well. Uh, this Detroit team is bad. I don't know. It's not looking good for him. It's tough, man. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know what they do with Cade, with Jaden Ivey, with Oster Thompson. But they, with they've got Jaylen guys. Thurman. They've got like guys. Yeah, they I mean, all suck. Fine. <laughs> Cade shot five for seventeen tonight. That, One for eight. That for sounds three. That for him. He's probably framing that box score. But, but I mean, Bogdanovich dropped thirty three. Oh, Jaden Ivey. I'm so glad we didn't get Jaden Ivey. I was so high on him. I, I don't even understand why they buried him. He played well last year. I, I don't understand what happened. Uh, it's that's what I'm saying. It's a Monty Williams thing. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, Embiid had 41. Jesus, Maxi only nine. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we won't read box scores live on the pod anymore. So, all right. Anything else? We'll see where those All Star lineups shake from where they actually. I think one of the Pelicans guys will get in. It'll be either Ingram or Zion because they're starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit. Yeah, I think they will. I think, um, once again, if they stay healthy, we've always said this, if they stay healthy, they will be a top eight. They'll be a top eight team. I don't even think it's a playing team. Yeah, Um, I mean, look, we put two Phoenix Suns in, and they're 10th right now. Well, I mean, yeah, Booker's missed. So the thing with Booker is he's missed games. Um, He's only played, what, uh, 14 games. Right, fourteen of the twenty-four they've played, and Durant's like missed nuts. like five. So, games. so that's why I, mean, I debated leaving him off the roster because, but he, he ultimately he'll get it. He'll play enough games. 
Yeah. I mean, um, that could be the tiebreaker for Durant, too, because he's also only missed five games. So, I mean, Booker's getting close to the 65-game mark. Oh, I forgot. We didn't even think about that. Yeah, because like when we did the predictions, I had him as first team All NBA. I thought he was going to have a monster year, which I feel like he has. But if he doesn't hit that threshold, he's not eligible. He's not getting it. Yeah, yeah. And he can only miss what four more games now. No, yeah. You said he's played how many? Fourteen. And you said they have twenty. So you can only miss seven more games. Seven more. In the whole year, which is not a lot. Yeah. So, all right. That's it for us this week. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on social media, and we will talk to you next week.